You're listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Bill Israel. In caregiving, we see how caring for multi-generations of a family can shape who one becomes. Our personal past certainly reflects the values we bring to how we enter and proceed as a caregiver. In today's episode, we hear from Rachel, who not only witnessed at a young age her mother be a caregiver, but then found herself caring for her mother in her adult life. Rachel's part of the sandwich generation, raising and nurturing her own child and family and caregiving for her mother while she maintains a full-time job, meaning she is an employed caregiver. When we use the term employed caregiver, we do not mean someone with a formal job as a paid caregiver, but rather someone that manages paid employment and at the same time is responsible for caregiving for a family or a friend. More and more people are becoming caregivers, and a lot of these caregivers are balancing employment as well as caregiving. We start our conversation with Rachel sharing her childhood experiences of caregiving with her grandfather. These early experiences set the stage for her current caregiver role with her mother. First thing I thought about was my grandfather. And what came to mind to me was when I was around nine years old. So my parents and my two brothers lived in Toronto and my, my grandfather, and this is my, my mom's dad, lived uh, way up in Northern Ontario. He was a widower. He had cancer and had a high level of care needs. And my parents arranged for him to be moved to a long-term care home in Toronto so that he, we could be closer to him. At nine years old, I was taking the subway and bus about an hour and a quarter to school. And then after school, I would often travel another hour to where my grandfather was in this long-term care home. And then another hour to get home at night. And I would spend time with him there as he was dying and everything that comes with colon cancer and the body not working the way we want it to any longer. And this was hard too, because he he spoke little English, so I often didn't understand what he was feeling or what he needed. And he was an adult and I was a kid. And some things were obvious, like him needing changing and maybe the staff not being available and me not knowing to advocate. And we would just sit and wait together. And it was a disconcerting experience in many ways. I didn't feel equipped, but there was also never a doubt in my mind that being there was the right thing to do. You know, my grandfather's decline and this time we spent with him was a big part of my nine-year-old experience. But as I kind of I thought about that, Bill, but then I thought about an earlier experience that I think was even more of a pivotal shift for me. So I think about, I think about my mom. I think about when, when her mom was dying. I was about five or six. Can't recall exactly, but I remember my mom getting the call that she should come now, and and she took me with her. And I remember being on an overnight train to get way up to Northern Ontario, where my grandparents lived. And I remember lying with my mom in an upper berth of the train cabin, and she was tear filled and devastated. And I remember her saying, "Her mother was the one person in the world she knew that really loved her, and it was a different, special kind of love." She said, "I would understand when I'm a mother." And so I actually think about this is sort of where that transition first took place, where I shifted sort of just being a kid to, to playing what I would consider now more, I don't know, a, a more emotional support in a higher care kind of way. That train trip was in a, a growing up experience, a significant growing up experience for you. 
Mm-hmm. The carer train was literally and figuratively out of the station. Wow. Yeah. What a lovely way to put that. And what an endearing story. Thanks for, for sharing that. So then as uh, your life proceeded and you moved then into facing the reality of caregiving responsibilities entering your life as an adult. Talk a little bit about uh, how that transpired then, uh, Rachel, as you began seeing uh, your own mom and needing your support and your help. Yeah, I can remember very clearly when I started to realize that my mom couldn't do the things that she could always do so easily before. And I think it was 2004, my mom was visiting me in North Carolina. She uh, was an interior decorator and helping me with something in my new apartment. We were taking measurements, which are very straightforward. My mom was really struggling through it all. And, you know, I just didn't get what was going on at that time because this is something she could do better than any of us with her eyes shut. And it was incredibly frustrating at the time. As the visit went on and in the months to come, I noticed more of these out-of-character things happening. And it wasn't just old age. Anyone And anyone I brought it up with, you know, brushed it off. My mom was struggling too. Like, I think she sort of knew and she would try to go and take things to her doctor, but she would always come out with just, you know, another prescription for something and never kind of really addressing what was going on. So it was a very difficult, frustrating 10-year road till we finally got her an Alzheimer's diagnosis. So it's really in this part of my caregiver journey that I first learned how big a role advocating for a family member is within our system of care. Wow. And that realization has grown over time as your caregiving started. Talk a little bit about the fact that you, in addition to being a caregiver, have a full-time job. I really like the work that I do and the work is meaningful to me and how I work with my colleagues and how we impact our clients and the community. And it's all important to me. And we're a high performing organization and I like to think I contribute in a high performing way as well. Um, But this is where we get to the tricky part. I love my family and I'm committed to making sure they do receive the care they should. I feel like everyone deserves to age with dignity. And so when it comes to my parents, I feel that in spades. Yeah. And we use the term sandwich generation because your mom obviously is is your family, but you also have your own family. I do. Yeah, I have a six-year-old and my husband and there's, there's a lot going on and it's all incredibly fulfilling, but it's also really hard at times. And on the surface, it seems like it should be doable. You know, work and family, doesn't everybody do it? But there are times where it has felt really impossible and completely overwhelming to the point where I can't sleep or think and, you know, think straight. And the unpredictability is a huge part. So more than my paid work and more than caring for my six-year-old, there are, of course, the predictable parts, whether it's, you know, coordinating doctor's appointments or caregivers or that kind of thing. But As my parents age, their needs grow and they often 
come out of left field. You know, maybe there's a stroke or a caregiver calls in sick and I'm just about to be facilitating a WebEx meeting with 80 people and I need to figure out a replacement because my parents can't manage without a paid caregiver. And these things happen and I, I never know when they're going to happen. As well, you're, you're doing this from a distance for your mom. Yeah, I am absolutely doing it from a distance. It's tricky. I'm in Vancouver and my parents live in Toronto and sometimes I can't be there to actually see what's happening. I can't be there to advocate maybe in the same kind of way. So, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to trumpet the wonderful healthcare system we have, but there are parts which are, are rough and whether it's because the healthcare systems and providers maybe don't talk to each other as well as they would ideally. There's lots of sewing together to make sure one provider is speaking to another. And the reality is I don't do it all. I let a lot of things, a lot of balls fall and I pick up where I can. Yeah, for sure. So you and your mom and the healthcare system and your work, I think you've got an example of how things can uh, fall apart uh, fairly quickly. We were in a particularly you know, difficult place. So my whole family was involved. My mom had broken her collarbone and two vertebrae in her back. And my dad had had a car accident and they were in a place where they really needed to move out of their home, their family home, but they didn't want to. And we found them a place to live. Then they're suddenly their family home was on the market. And, and, and then suddenly there was a short closing and there was a lifetime of belongings to deal with. And there was a surgery happening for my mom. And it was a very stressful time. It was a very emotionally charged time. I, you know, at the time wasn't giving anything to my little one and I was making all kinds of mistakes at work and I was letting my colleagues down. And I can tell you even 18 months later, we're still trying to recover from this. So it's, it's difficult. It can be difficult. And then you've also spoken about your friends, some support there. Yeah, my friends. Wow. I think about two friends of my my mom's, Marjorie and Stella, or two longtime friends of mine, Natalia and Kate. And I greatly dislike asking for help. These four friends have given so selflessly to me. They were in the trenches with me. Like they were physically showing up. I told you we had this whole house, a lifetime. My mom being interior decorator and a collector of antiques and all kinds of things that were so meaningful for her. And you know, trying to figure out, you know, what, what we could do with these things. And they were right there on my side, you know, getting hands dirty and, and trying to help me make some of those decisions and sort through it. Anyway, all kinds of different things they did that I just never expected. Yeah. And good for you to accept them. Sometimes it's hard to say, you know, I appreciate it and I needed that and I didn't even know it. In all of that, you're going to work every day. You've got some full-time responsibilities. Talk a little bit about uh, your experience there and how you have begun to utilize uh, what resources are available to you at work. Yeah, I would say the first thing that pops to mind, and this is a really bright spot, is my manager. Traditionally, I've had a fear of sharing my personal situation at work. I didn't see it as professional. I, I felt my work and personal life needed to be separate, and I sort of still do in some ways, but I also felt like it was unwise to share at work. And there's lots of reasons for that. But I'm really fortunate. My manager is someone who really understands. He's been through his own family caregiving journey. I can be really honest with him about what's going on for me and how I'm doing and where my limitations are. And I have been able to access the flexibility that I I need. I mean, 
I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. And but I also just want to say that that comes with a lot of guilt because I know that many of my colleagues, you know, we've got a lot of frontline workers who are working directly in, with clients and they don't have access to that level of flexibility that I do. And you've begun to encounter some other resources then too. Yes, there's other, a few other resources I love to point out. I mean, one is the Alzheimer's Society. They have this first link dementia helpline program and like lots of programs, they provide information and guidance and all that great stuff. What I wanted to point out there was that there was a social worker, Rebecca, who had called me as part of this, you know, the back and forth we've had and, and just wanted to check in with how I was doing and like she just sort of stopped me in my tracks, like whatever I was saying or trying to inquire about or a program for my mom or whatever. And she just wanted to stop and ask me about me and how I was doing. And I recall just welling up and trying to contain my tears. And it's always been about running hard and trying to find the best supports for my parents. And it didn't occur to me that someone might stop and ask me about me in this time. And anyway, she's not there anymore, but I will never forget her. That's sort of one amazing resource is Alzheimer's Society. We have, as a large organization, like many, um, we have a great employee assistance program and there's all kinds of resources in there. They're often buried in there and it can be a bit of a bear to try to tease through them and find what is helpful for me at any particular point in time. There was a, a working carers program, which was like a support group that was incredibly helpful for sharing. I, you know, I didn't even realize that I felt alone until I started hearing the experiences of others in the group. The one other resource, which has really kind of been unique and interesting for me and maybe even more powerful than, you know, anything in our employee assistance program, it's been an internal group and it's a group of employees within our company from across the country who are employees and they're also family caregivers. So similar to me, we all have our own situations and it's helpful for us and we're hopefully helping the organization and employees, but it's also on a, certainly on my own personal journey being able to play an active role and making it better, hopefully for others. It's a very satisfying, helpful part, I think, of my own journey. It fills the bucket in a, in a unique way. And what a great way to say that. What else can you say about what you've learned in this caregiver role as a full-time employee? Well, one thing that me realizing that I'm a caregiver. I never identified with that term. I think you could have splashed as much media or resources at me. And I, when I think of that term, I really do think of the person who's a paid PSW or a paid in some way to do this as a job. And so it's been really helpful to me that I've come to realize that that's me. Like I am a family caregiver as well. And that's been really helpful. What I've also come to realize is there are tons of resources, but I, I, and I don't think I'm alone, really struggle often with how do I make time and mental space and whatever I need to actually sift through those and kind of match them up with what I need when I need it. And I feel like that's still a big gap, but I feel like, you know, first step of the journey, I guess, is understanding that that's something that I'm struggling with and you know, even FCBC, you know, the Family Caregivers of BC, I have known the organization for the last five years. And have I reached out to leverage the resources there? It's really easy to tell people there are resources available, but it's also hard to make that connection or close the gap when the person and the caregiver actually needs it. 
Rachel's candid and heartfelt words bear witness to the importance, even the necessity, of ongoing support for oneself. Pressed with her responsibility as a full-time employee and caregiving for her parents from a distance, Rachel speaks from experience about reaching out and finding her own support at work and elsewhere. So many caregivers experience the same personal fatigue and stress and the need for support and self-care. In the midst of one's caregiving challenges comes the still small voice, an awareness of need for self-empathy and compassion. Rachel's caregiving has enabled her to see her own life and that of her family in a wider and more compassionate context. No matter what stage of caregiving you are at, you can choose the support from Family Caregivers of BC that best works for your capacity. Ask your questions by calling our BC Caregiver call line. Share your thoughts in our caregiver support groups and grow as a caregiver from our caregiver coaching. And as an employed caregiver, you may need to learn whenever you have time in your busy schedule. Go online to our Caregiver Learning Center full of articles, blogs, webinars, and the full list of episodes from this podcast. Get your personalized support at familycaregiversbc.ca. I guess I've learned a lot about myself on the way, and I've also needed to let go of certain ideas I've had about even about my career. I'm in a place where I'm kind of reimagining what the future can look like, and sometimes it's hard to let go of an old vision. I've gotten a lot clearer about I don't want to see where my priorities, but whether it's my values or my family or whatever it is, but I, I've gotten a lot clearer around boundaries, boundary setting for myself to make sure that I can be the best I can for my six-year-old and my husband and my parents and friends and community and trying to achieve what that sense of balance is for me at this point in time. And I don't you know and how that will continue to evolve. Thank you for listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Bill Israel. Produced and sound edited by Organized Sound Productions. We acknowledge the financial support of the province of British Columbia and the BC Ministry of Health Patients as Partners Initiative. If you like what you're hearing, discover more episodes and find more caregiving resources at familycaregiversbc.ca. And if you find these episodes helpful, please share them with your family and friends who may find it enlightening to hear these stories. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast listening app so you can take us with you wherever you go. Thank you for listening and taking the time to learn and care for yourself with other caregivers out loud.